This is the Everyday Adventure Podcast. Where we explore art and adventure. And we want to encourage you to take on art and adventure in your everyday life. Welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. After our nice little hiatus. (laughs) Yeah, we had a bit of a hiatus because I was out of town for several weeks. You were in Thailand for three weeks. (laughs) Then you were... On the road working for another four weeks, three weeks? A couple, yeah, yeah. So. Two or three, yeah. But I'm back. We're back together. Hey, hey. The A-team has reunited. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell us about Thailand. I feel like you need to do a podcast just on Thailand. Okay. Well, one of the uh, places that I went during my trainings that I was leading uh, is a camp in the Flint Hills which if you don't know where the Flint Hills are, they are in southern central Kansas. They're just rolling hills of grass. It's amazing. It's They don't have a whole lot of forested land there, but it's beautiful and serene. And every time I drive through, I'm always driving on I-35, and there's several places that you can stop and take pictures and stuff like that. But I haven't ever been to this camp that I went to. So I was at Camp Horizon, which is a United Methodist camp. It is actually situated on the top of a ridge. While I was there, I realized that most of the camps that I've either visited or worked at, most of them are centered around a valley, like in the valley. Mm. Main camp is not up on top of the ridge of whatever valley they're in. Most of them are, like, centered around the river that goes through it or the creek or a lake or something like that. But this one happens to be up on the ridge. And you can see for miles from main camp. And their dining hall is situated so that you can just sit there and look out and you can see all of the rolling hills, and I happened to be there, like, right at the peak of all of the red buds being in bloom. Mm. So there's these pops of color, green grass was already growing, and the rest of the leaves on the trees hadn't started budding out yet, so that was kind of neat because it wasn't, like, an overwhelming amount of green, just pops of red here and there. There were a couple of storms that came through, so I could see way off in the distance the sky getting dark and them coming through. And it's situated right on the edge of a quarry, so they've got a a really beautiful rappel site. It was just really interesting to think about how my camp experience as a camper and a counselor was so dependent upon the landscape of the camps that I worked at. It was just a very different perspective of camp being up on top of the ridge. Like Hmm. there was nothing to look up at. You just looked down and out. It was just a different perspective at a camp and I found it refreshing and absolutely beautiful. If you want to see pictures of my time at that camp, I captured several really pretty pictures, and they actually got featured on TravelKansas.com. So you can go there, but you can also go to our Instagram feed. You can find our pictures under the same name that everything else on our social media is. It's X37 Adventures. 
While Alexis was out of town, our friend James and I went out for First Fridays. Nice. Uh, which is every the first Friday of every month, hence the name First Fridays. Some people still don't get it. It's hilarious. One of uh, my friends, she is a student at the Kansas City Art Institute. They have a new gallery in the crossroads that was donated to KCAI. Ooh, nice. Um, it's a really cute little space. So they were having an artist come in. His name is Michael Strand. He's a, a potter by trade. Okay. But his art show that he's been going around doing is the Misfit Cup Liberation Project. First of all, I love that name. <laughs> I don't know what it's about, but you're, I love the name. <laughs> you're going to like this. And so she was part of it. She said, oh, you should come by. And her brief statement about his art show is that there's 50 mugs that he makes and they all have their own little house that they live in on the walls the first 50 people that bring another cup get to replace his mug with their mug or their cup oh my gosh and take his mug home so it's a swap a mug for a mug but the thing you have to give him as well is a story is the story about that mug and it's basically the question of why are you getting rid of this mug? Like, are you just doing it to get a free mug? Like, uh-huh. there's a wide range of stories as to why. So she was like, bring a mug. You can swap it out. So I told James, I was like, bring a mug, James. Before James had arrived, I was hanging out. And um, if you're looking for something free to do that might give you some free food and or drinks, <laughs> check out art galleries that have free admission. There's usually some sort of free snack, especially... At college art shows. College art shows generally have free food, free wine, free drinks. That makes Not sense. <laughs> Michael Strand was there and he was talking about why he started the project and kind of the history of the project. So this was his, I would say his sixth show. Maybe yeah. his, his fifth or sixth. I can't remember what it was. So that means that he has made 300 If not more, I don't know if he was doing a set 50 mm-hmm. at every show. But he's trying to do them on every continent. Oh, cool. And in, in as many countries as he can do. So he's done quite a few in the States. So he's done some in, he's done some in, I think he's done Canada. He's done Amsterdam or the Netherlands. He did um, one of the Eastern European countries. Mm-hmm. I think it was Romania or like Slovakia. It was one that had been communist and then wasn't. Yeah. One of the things that stuck out to me was when he started talking about the history of his cups. And part of the gallery display is a cup from each show he saves. Yeah. Or he makes one extra. Mm-hmm. He showed the evolution of the cups he's made. And they've, they've dramatically changed. So the first cups he'd started making were very flashy, were very enticing yeah. to try. And, and his whole thing was, I have to give them something of value. Okay. They have to really want my cup to yeah. give up their cup. Uh-huh. And as he's done more shows, they've become less flashy and less complicated. Yeah. And they've become simpler and softer. And he said, at first, he's like, I didn't realize that I was unintentionally trying to swap a story for a story. That they were giving me a cup with a story and I was going to give them back a cup with a story. He's like, and then I tried to, you know, and it was a slow evolution of each time. He made him a little bit different. He's like, coming from an artist's perspective, like, it was one of those things you're just like, oh, yeah, I want to make something that's intriguing and interesting and different. And so they went from being really flashy with these bright glazes and kind of different textures and colors on them all. So they were all individual and unique Mm -hmm. to ones that were a little bit more muted, but still were maybe a different shape or they had 
spots on them and they still had more than one color on them. And then the ones that the, the show that we were at were his kind of, he was like, this is the cup that I'm really happy with. Oh. And I think I'm going to stick with this kind of a feel for the cup. They're very, they're very pale, like sea foamy green blue. Wow. They're very soft. So like it's a very smooth surface mm-hmm. and they're so simple. Like they're very simple designs. Are um, they mugs like with a handle? No. They're oh. they're not mug. They're not traditional mugs. Okay. None of them have a handle. They're all ones you kind of have to you feel most secure holding them with two hands. Okay. Kind of a tumbler, but yeah, coffee mug. Sh- uh, I would shape. still call it a mug. It's just a handleless mug. Okay. What he said that I thought was really interesting was that he wanted to make a cup that eventually he was he was trying to work towards a cup that felt like it was listening rather than telling a story. He's like, so you're going to give me a mug that's telling a story, and you're going to get back a mug that listens to that. The rational, logical side of my brain went, that's ridiculous. Mugs can't listen. (laughs) The artistic, creative side went, oh, that's so, like, mm, genius. Yes. Yeah, that is what this cup does. Like, it has, like, you want to hold it with two hands. You want to kind of bring close. Like, it's a very kind of, like, oh, this is like a... An intimate mug. There's no handle for me to just wander around with it and not really think about what I'm doing with this mug. Like, you have to be, like, if you're holding it one-handed, you're very aware of, like, I have one hand on this, that there's nothing really stopping it from. Yeah. Like, it's, like, I have to be aware of how I'm holding it, otherwise I'm going to drop it or it's going to slip out. Mm-hmm. And he's gotten some really interesting cups from it. Ones that are really, really emotionally, like, treasured objects. Yeah. So, like, one lady gave, um, and this was in... I think Romania, or one of those. It was this was Eastern Europe, and she gave a cup from the communist days of her country that was like, oh my these gosh. these were incredibly treasured items. Yeah. Not only for the families that had them, but also for the rest of the world. Like these are very rare to find now. And so she was just said no. Like this is a time period when our country was going through a lot of stuff. There's a lot of history tied to this cup, and she willingly gave it wow. to him for a cup of his. And she wrote out the whole story, and he is, he gives everyone, so when you go in, and the cups are in their little houses, they're all individual, and you kind of wander around, there's a table usually, or something in the middle that has pens and these little sheets, and so he wants you to give your cup, your mug, a name, mm-hmm. something that sums up the story of it. Yeah. Um, and then he wants you to write the story of your mug. Why did you bring it here, or what's its significance? And then you take that sheet, and you peel the little sticky things off the back and you tape, you hang it underneath the house or like on the edge, the bottom edge of the house and then you can swap the mugs. Yeah. And so he said he's gotten ones from either the children of or from people that were alcoholic. That's something that's really tied to those memories. Yeah. This is the mug I always drank out of to kind of hide that I was drinking. He's gotten people's cups that they're issued in prison. Wow. And then the story of the prison, he's like, I, you know, you get one sheet of paper, and it's a fairly decent-sized sheet of paper. And it's just a couple little lines of text from him saying, like, what you should do. Yeah. And then a lot of space, and he's like, I've gotten where people have taken five sheets of this front and back and written out this whole lengthy thing. Oh, my gosh. He's gotten ones that, I mean, there's just so many. He's gotten weird ones, like one of them was shaped like a toilet <laughs> um, at the one we had. He's got, so he's gotten lots of, uh, like... Funny mugs. He's got some simple mugs. Yeah. The mug I brought was from when I worked at the coffee shop. And it was one that was just going to be tossed. Yeah. Because. It was broken. It was. It wasn't really broken. It was just the. It was one that we'd used for lots of customers. Like it was just an in-house mug. But the logo on it was old. and It was fading. Oh, yeah. I was just like, eh, well, 
there's nothing wrong with the mug. They just got new mugs, and they were like, oh, we want to use these mugs instead. Yeah. And so they were just going to chuck that one. And I was just like, well, I'll take it. Yeah. And I had known that one of the other baristas that worked there really liked that mug. Like, whenever she would get her drink, she would put it in that mug. So I, that's the one I brought. It was just like... Cool. Yeah, and so... And then James brought... <laughs> he brought one that the artist really thought was funny. So he brought this donut-shaped mug. <laughs> so it's one of those donut mugs that's got the hole in the middle and, like, the empty... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's around. So it's it's like a hollow donut. It has a little handle. Mm-hmm. It's decorated like a donut with sprinkles. <laughs> um, and James just wrote up there. He was just like, every year my family does a white elephant gift exchange. This mug always is always one of the gifts. He's like, I'm just sick of it. And he's like, so you can have it. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just trying to get rid of it. He's like, I'm just trying to break the cycle of this mug always being one of the things that people get. <laughs> and so he read that and laughed. I was like, ah. But yeah, one of the things that he also does is all the mugs that he gets... He museum standard inventories them, and they don't just go in a box and sit in his garage. Yeah. They each get their own little case and that he puts in a bigger crate. He has them all inventoried so that he can take them to a museum and be like, here they all are. This wow. is everything you need. So part of this was that he was talking to the KCAI students. And one of them had asked him, what do you do with all the mugs you get? And he said, this is part of it. He's like, I'm very intentional about respecting the objects that people give me. He's like, this isn't just something... I'm doing, it's very intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, they all get their own number. They all get their own space on, you know, my sheet for where they are. Yeah. Like, and the story that goes along with it is documented yeah. properly. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and everything is stored carefully so that none of them are going to get damaged or preserved. Like, he's like, I'm preserving these stories and these objects. He's like, and and that oh to gosh. me, I was just like, that's so good for an art student to hear is that if you're doing something like this, where yeah. you're getting something from the public, like making sure you're being professional about it. Like he uh-huh. emphasized that he's like, it's not because I think this is going to be some amazing famous art project. He's like, it's the professionalism and the intention of it Yep. that he really emphasized. And I thought that was really, really cool and really good for art students to hear. Cause yeah. Well, and also just the respect that he's showing. Uh, like you said, he respects the objects that people have brought to him. Mm-hmm. Just as we as artists want people to respect the art that we produce and give to them, he's respecting that gift back to him because really the things he's making are not the art that he's creating uh-uh. it's the stories and the objects that people give him that's his, his art project is not the things it's he the makes it's yeah. what he gets in return for him oh my gosh i love that so it just kind of re-emphasized that it's not about the thing that i'm making like yep. it used to be about the thing that i made but now it's about the thing that i get which is really cool so it's just a really interesting project fountain day will be april 12th 2017, which is a little bit different than what it usually is. Usually it's on a Tuesday afternoon, and this year it's on a Wednesday evening. And I am so excited that it is, it's in the evening because I've always thought that having Fountain Day in the middle of the day made it inaccessible to a large part of our population here in Kansas City because... If you can't take time off from your job, like hourly workers a lot of times can't. Unless you have a very flexible job schedule, you're not, and not for something that's... Frivolous. Yes. Yeah. And if you have a family or if you have medical issues, that's not one of the things you can spend your, and for most, you know, we're in the heart of America. Yeah. We don't get many vacation days. We do not. I am really, really thankful that the organizers 
who are within the Casey Parks and Rec department, that they made that decision to change it to a Wednesday evening. Also, kids can't go if it's during the day unless their school makes it a field trip. So this is good. This is just, it's welcoming to everyone, makes them more accessible. It's going to, because last year's was small. Like there was a good turnout, but it was mostly government officials. Yep. Or people that worked with the city or worked with part of the fountains or were connected Mm -hmm. to it some way or somehow, or they were the news. Yep. Um, so and that's ha- about it. Yeah. So having it in the evening, people can actually come without right. making it too much of a effort, really. And yeah. that's kind of what you need. For something like this. I mean, it's not yeah. like we're saying this is the most important day of the year or anything like that. We're just celebrating the public art that we have here in Kansas City. Right. And I think that's a really cool thing. I like the fact that we're opening it up to more people to participate. It will be at the Concourse Fountain. I thought since this podcast is going to be out right before Fountain Day, we'd talk a little bit about the Concourse Fountain. It is at St. John Avenue and Benton Boulevard. If people don't aren't familiar with the names, what's something big nearby? Kessler Park. There you go. Cool. It's in Old Northeast Casey. So the Concourse Fountain, it is surrounded by this historic, beautiful neighborhood. It's right at the edge of the Concourse which I don't know why we can't have a more creative name for that, but... It is what it is, you know. There's a colonnade right at the edge of the hillside, and then you can actually walk down stairs that go down the side of the hill and go into Kessler Park, which is pretty cool. The concourse fountain itself has had quite the life. It was originally designed in 1939, and it was actually designed for all the rage at the time, the miniature yacht club <laughs> and people would actually mostly young boys would hold regattas and races on it mm. so it was a a big open pool and some people called it a reflection pool the other purpose for it was for fishermen to practice casting which I thought was pretty neat, too. It's a very Midwestern thing to... It like, definitely oh, is. It's your casting, guys. <laughs> I also thought that it was pretty cool that it has always been a fairly interactive uh, water feature, whether it was a fountain or not. It was interactive at that time, but it was also designed as a year-round water feature. As a bonus, it was filled so that it could be frozen during the winter and you could go ice skating on it. We don't have that anymore around here. We have the fake ice rinks. In the 1980s, they decided for some reason that they needed to add sprays in the middle of the pool. And I'm sure that the miniature yacht clubs weren't really a big thing in the 80s. They still made it attractive, but it was less interactive at that time. And by 2001, we come back to our splash pad. So if you listen to episode seven, we talked all about splash pads and the differences uh, between a fountain and a splash pad. The concourse fountain is currently designed as a splash pad. It was designed and implemented in 2002. They drain the pool part, but they use the middle portion of it and they created a splash pad. It's the only splash pad that I know of that's on year round. It joins the ranks of the Northland Fountain for creating beautiful ice sculptures in the winter. So that's the short history of the Concourse Fountain. Well, it's going to be a good fountain day. 
continuing our first Friday adventure story. So we did our art story. So we covered the art section of that Friday adventure with Amy and James. Yes. After that, James decided to uh, delay going to the thing he was supposed to be doing. After we ate some of the free food, we decided this isn't enough. Let's go get some real food. So we finally went to a restaurant that I've been wanting to go try for a while, which I'm probably going to slightly mispronounce this, but it's Crockstrom Club and Market. Okay. Now, the reason why Crockstrom is special is because it's Swedish Scandinavian food. The head chef, it's all kind of traditional Scandinavian food that she grew up eating that she wanted to recreate. Probably the best food in Kansas City. Oh my gosh. Where is this located? It is located, it is off of Broadway, but it's down by um, the Uptown Theater. It's actually like a block north of that. Okay. On the same road, Broadway and 36th Street, and it is so good. Describe Scandinavian food to me. Most people, when they think of Scandinavian food, they think of fermented or pickled fish things. Uh, okay. Which is a big part of the culture. Sure. I think everyone that's involved in the internet or at some point has seen or heard of uh, Sir Strumming. I which is oh what is this? Um, I'm sure you've seen a video of it. You just didn't realize what it was. Okay. But it is um, fermented fish Ugh. in a can. And it's supposed to be one of the like most disgusting smelling things to an American palate. Oh, good. Um, because it's fermented fish. And if you're not listening in the States, Americans don't have a palate for fermented no, we do foods. Not. We're slowly starting to get it in. And it's just not a flavor that we grew up on and yeah. are accustomed to in our food dishes. Mm-hmm. So when we get fermented things or even... Honestly, like pickled things other than cucumbers yeah. mm-hmm. or maybe onions, we really don't have a palate for yeah. unusually pickled things. So like pickled fishes, pickled other, uh, really Anything. other than actual pickles, yeah. which are just cucumbers, that's what we consider normal. Yep. Maybe you'll get a pickled onion if you're getting a fancy drink. So this comes from Denmark and they have a word which is huga. The best translation for it in English is like coziness and like togetherness well-being. How is it spelled in English? H-Y-G-G-E. Oh, I've seen that word. And it's supposed to be kind of the feeling for a snowy night, like a snowy, you know, snow outside, but you're inside, you have a fire, you know, a warm, like a cozy sweater, a warm blanket, the fire going, a cup of, you know, tea or cocoa or coffee or, you know, whatever the warm drink it is you're drinking. It's all the things that comfort you. Yes. That's kind of all encapsulated, like, that moment of just, like, I am comfortable, I'm happy, like, I'm warm, like, I'm content. That is what Crockstrom can do with food. Like, American comfort food, you eat it and you kind of feel like I can't move because I have this, like, mass that's just weighing me down. Yes. Crockstrom, like, the Swedish food that we had there, the the food that we had there, was genuinely comforting. Like, you eat it and you're happy. Now, if you're not an adventurous eater, you might read the things on the menu and go, there's nothing I want to eat here. Because I'll read you I'll read you some of the menu. Swedish potato sausage. Okay. Which you then read, and it's pickled cabbage, Swedish rye, and, and, may- and Dijon mayonnaise. And you might go, I, I, no. 
I don't understand how it's a sausage. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're telling me it's a potato sausage, and then you're telling me all the other things. Or it might be a crayfish dip, which is sherry, lemon, and cream cheese served with some kind of, like, thin... I would describe them like a crouton. They're kind of a dried, seasoned bread. Okay. Um, yeah. But they're not a cracker. It's like a, it's like a, a hardened bread cracker thing. Okay. Or there's cured salmon, so like, which is delicious. But it's a lot of cured foods, but what we had, so we got the mumsa. So we got a mumsa, which is their kind of appetizers. Okay. So that's the, like, that means to munch or nibble. So it's just little things you eat. And we got the Swedish potato sausage, and it's very good. And it doesn't have the texture of American sausage. Okay. Or even, like, an English sausage. Mm-hmm. Where you kind of, like, you can be like, oh, yeah, I can definitely tell that this is meat. Like, it is yeah. so soft oh. and smooth of a texture, and it's because it has a potato in it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things with beets. We also got, we got lefse and sausage. So it's sausages... Rolled in a left and then cut. And then it's also some of the best mustard I've ever had. So it's house-made really? mustard. And it's just the mustard seeds. Like, it's not really strong. Yeah. But it has such a good flavor to it. And so lefse is an unleavened potato bread. Okay. But it's like a potato crepe. So okay. It's very yeah. th- or like a potato tortilla. Uh-huh. So it's very thin mm-hmm. potato mixture that I was telling James. My grandmother's lefse recipe so our family is Norwegian, so the family recipe we have for left, so the first ingredient, is five pounds of potatoes. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> and then it says, like, t- like for, you know, this many people, and you just make it, and you, and it's treated kind of as a, as a, like you would a crepe. You can make it sweet, you can make it savory. Yeah. A lot of times it's just simply, like, you cook it, and you cook it on a flat top grill. Sure. And turn it like you would a, it's cooked kind of like you would a tortilla. Okay. Like, it's not a batter that pours out like a crepe. Okay. It's, yeah. So you have to roll it really thin. And then you do kind of like sugar and, and lemon or sugar Ooh. and whatever. Yeah. Or sugar and cinnamon and then roll it back up and eat it kind of like a roll up. James got the salmon on charred leek and that was delicious. Yeah. It was some of the best salmon either. And we kind of shared back and forth. Well, of course. Um, and so it can be a bit expensive. So there's a wide range of options. You can go from... A salad or, like, getting just an extra, like, a side. Yeah. Which is, I think the, the cheapest one is, like, $2. You can get some pumpernickel or rye bread to try. Um, or a lemon dill biscuit. Ooh, that sounds really good. Yeah. We also had drinks there. Both James and I were just, like, you eat it and you just kind of, you just smile. Like, it just makes you feel good. And it's just really tasty. If you're at all adventurous or you want to start being adventurous, I would say definitely go there. Our waiter was super nice. Maybe don't get the pickled things. I would be very surprised if anyone ate the Lefsen sausage and was just like, no, I'm never eating this again. This Mm -hmm. was horrible. It wasn't anything extremely pickled Mm -hmm. or anything fermented. It was just good food. So yeah, if you want to experience what I think is just genuine comfort food, like it will make you feel good. It might not be the thing of your, it might not be nostalgia or American comfort food, which I guess it's comforting in a way. Go there, try it. It was delicious. And then, so at the end of this, this is where we'd had a couple drinks. Also, if you want to have a fun place to drink, check out Manifesto. It's kind of like a speakeasy, but it's easier to get into. Just make sure you have a reservation or be flexible on when you can go. You have a time slot. You get half an hour, you know, 40 minutes, and then 
you gotta go. So if you want to it's stay, it's not a hangout spot. It's not a hangout. <laughs> there, there, it's it's only. I think you can only fit twenty people in it. Oh wow! So there's I still a, haven't been there. You gotta turn out. But um, if you go to Manifesto, get the beautiful red bell. It's delicious. It's a gin-based drink, but it also has red pepper in it. Ooh, like a red bell pepper, and so it's nice. kind of sweet, kind of earthy. Anyway, the drinks at Croxum are really good. They have a lot of mead-based ones or um, aquavit, which is I don't know uh, what that is. It's a Scandinavian clear liquor. Okay. Kind of, kind of like vodka, kind of like ouzo. Okay. Not my favorite thing to drink because it does have a slight. It just can be a disaster. It's not your favorite. It's not my favorite, but done right, it's good. I just generally haven't had good results from drinking Aquavit. <laughs> so at the end of the night, James and I went back, and I had had James's <laughs> mug, as well as my mug in my purse. And oh, so yeah. when James dropped me back off at my car, I was like, oh yeah, here's your mug. And then I also like pulled out my mug and was holding it while I was fishing his out, because yeah. we had separated them, and I, was, I just managed to grab mine first. As we were sitting in the car, I looked at it and realized that it vaguely resembles a circumcised penis. <laughs> and, like, the head of a circumcised penis. And so, at this moment, my brain just went, oh, shit. And then I looked at James and went, does this look like a penis to you? And he was like, I didn't want to say anything. And I, that's when we had to have a, a conversation about... James, friends tell. Friends tell each other when the cup you picked kind of looks like a penis. I was like, while well, you still have time to correct your error, you can, like, had you told me at the beginning, I could have swapped it out for one that didn't look like a penis. It's true. And I mostly oh went God. for a small mug I could kind of easily hold in one hand. Um, a penis because mug. Fun fact, yeah, apparently. A penis mug. Uh, fun fact about me, I have oddly small hands that is true <laughs> um and so i was just going along like okay this is a, this is on the smaller side <laughs> oh my so gosh. i want to go to another show of his and swap what, it out and i want to bring that mug and <laughs> write that story and write that story of just yes after a few drinks we realized this mug looks vaguely penis like and now i can't get that out of my head Every time I look at the mug, I'm just like, oh, penis mug. <laughs> so I'm giving you back the penis mug. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. So yeah, so that was our first Friday adventure. First Friday is a lot of fun. If you're not aware of First Friday in Kansas City, it happens downtown in the Crossroads area, which mm-hmm. is which is between Skyscraper downtown area, where all the big buildings yeah. are, and the Sprint Center and all that jazz and power and light, and kind of Westport Plaza area. In that area in between is a lot of artsy places, galleries, just a bunch of different fun things. And go down there. If Even during the winter, it's still pretty hopping. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of fun things going on. You can kind of wander around and go place to place in the heart of the crossroads. And part of this is a really fun bar called Up Down, which is an arcade bar. Um, cool. So if you're like, man, art's not my thing, but pinball is... Up down has a lot of pinball machines. It's, it's got true. giant Jenga. It's got a nice view of the city. It also has ski ball. It does have ski Let's ball. Let's be real. 
Ski ball. That's the real reason we go to Updown is for the <laughs> ski ball. <laughs> I love ski ball. I mean, the ski ball is in high demand. They only it, have yeah. six lanes of ski ball, and they are always busy. It is true. But yeah, check out First Fridays. If you're looking for something fun to do, you can always just wander around. There's lots of coffee shops in the area. If you're not a drinker, you don't have to drink. There's always there's a food truck party somewhere that if you want to get some good food truck food <laughs> so yeah so check out first friday hit us up with any questions if you have anything about first friday or you need any recommendations or Just, if you have recommendations yeah or if you have something that you'd say like hey or if you want to see the picture of the penis mug we'll we'll tweet it i will not be in that picture but i will no. just do it take a very artful picture <laughs> of it <laughs> I just thought of so many inappropriate things. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> Goodness. Alexis, what's some upcoming events? <laughs> well, Fountain Day, April 12th, 5 to 7 p.m. at the Concourse Fountain. There will be food trucks there. Come one, come all. Oh, and music. There's going to be live music there too. Yeah, it seems like this year it's going to be um, hopping. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. So put aside all of your thoughts on how nerdy it sounds that I want you to come to Fountain Day (laughs) and just come. Have a great time. Oh, and not only is it Celebration of Fountains, but this year is Kansas City Parks and Rec's 125th anniversary. If you you go to Fountain Day and you dress as characters from Parks and Rec, the show, I'll give you a dollar. Ooh! To the first nice. group that does it. So how many people in this group? I would say at least two. Okay. If you're by yourself, I'll, I don't know what I'll do. I'll give you a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might get a dollar. But yeah. you got to find us at Fountain Day. So. Yeah, you have to find us. Good luck. <laughs> uh, I will actually only be there for about an hour because... I'm going to race down to the Blue Ridge Library and do a presentation about the fountains that evening, starting at 7. There you go. So if you don't want to come all the way to Old Northeast and you're way down south, then meet me at Blue Ridge Library. Another really cool thing that we have been invited to is an Instameet Kansas. Ooh. It's in the middle of Kansas. Lindsborg. Kansas, and I haven't been there yet, so I'm pretty excited about this. If you're unfamiliar with what an Instameet is, it's when a bunch of uh, people who are active and interested and passionate about Instagram get together and meet each other, some of whom maybe have only known each other through each other's profiles mm-hmm. um, and have been you know, fans of each other's work for a while, so they can finally meet and put a face together, and it's also just an opportunity for them to, photographers that are there to practice different photos or just work together and collaborate and kind of hang out for a bit and then uh, take pictures for a while of a certain area to kind of draws more attention to that area. Some places that Kansas City has done has been uh, the World War One Museum in that area. They've done the Nelson Atkins Art Museum. They've done the West Bottoms. So Instamates are pretty cool if you want to get to know more people who are interested in the same social media platforms as you. Look for the little times when they meet up. This one is for the entire state of Kansas. Hot damn. Yeah. There's actually going to be a seminar a photography seminar beforehand before going out and running around Lindsborg. it's april 15th at noon register for it 
at travelkansas.com and just look up Instameet. But I'm pretty excited about it because I haven't explored Kansas as much as I would like to. And part of it is because of the fact that I don't really know a whole lot of places to go. As I was looking at the information about the Instameet, I found that on travelkansas.com, there's actually a bucket list. And I've only done five of the 70 items. You know that I love a good list to check off. So if you happen to be in the mood for a little drive from KC on April 15th, join me. It'll be fun. Um, just really quickly, some other events that are coming up. We've talked about Scraps KC before, and they have two cool events coming up. They have a volunteer orientation April 22nd, 9 to 10 a.m. That's a Saturday for all you folks out there who want to know. And if you're looking for a place to volunteer that gives back to the community and just is eco-friendly and is trying to, you know, help end homelessness, I mean, they're doing a really cool mm-hmm. program with it, email Brenda or call the store. Um, you can find the information on Google or we'll tweet it out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have an event Saturday, April 29th, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. called Get Your Green On. Um, and they'll be at the River Market and get some free make-and-take art project things and bring used school supplies. They'll be collecting them there. And if you want to know more about Scraps Casey, Google them. I'm doing presentations about the fountains in April. Check out our Facebook page, X37 Adventures on Facebook, and we'll post about those as well. You can find that information there. And they are free. Yeah, so totes free. Come, enjoy. Well, it's almost time to wrap this show up. Things that we are happy about. Ready? You got one? I have to list 14,000 things right now. Okay, just one. (laughs) Alexis, what are you happy about right now? I am happy that Nerd Life exists because I can... I'm unfamiliar with this publication. (laughs) It's not a publication. It's a state of being. (laughs) Uh, I can be silly and excited and passionate about fountains. And it's nerdy, and it's perfectly fine. I don't have to be serious, and I just have to be passionate about it. And I find joy in it, and whether or not someone else does, doesn't matter. I'm a nerd about fountains. It's all good. (laughs) I'm a nerd about a lot of things, but since we've talked about fountains a lot today, I'll be a nerd about fountains this time. I guess my one thing to be happy about is that it's spring. Yes. We're starting to get out of winter. Springtime is definitely a happy season. While it's muddy, it's also, uh, it's finally becoming green again. Missouri is one of those states where in the winter it doesn't really go white. No. It goes brown. Yeah. It's brown, brown, brown. Um, Which can be pretty in itself, but after a while it gets a bit monotonous. Yeah. Um, And I'm just looking forward to nicer days, doing stuff outside. That's what I'm happy about. Awesome. A uh, big shout out to uh, Dr. Trey Bechtold for our theme music. And thank you to our listeners. You guys rock. If you have any recommendations for us or just hidden gems of your town, let us know. We want to know about it and we want to promote it. And at some point in our lives, we'd love to come and visit it, I'm sure. Leave a comment with where you live or tweet us. Tw- send us a Twitter. <laughs> Send us a Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Send us a... I guess, don't message us. 
No. We don't need you to send us private messages. No, please don't. <laughs> we don't really need that. <laughs> I'm bad at that. Some, we'll to comment this. we'll comment on our Facebook page and you comment back on it. <laughs> we'll say, Hey podcast listeners, where, where are you y'all from? from? And then you just write your state. You don't even write the whole state, you just write two letters. Whoa. If you're from outside of the country, do write more than two letters. Because then we might not understand it. <laughs> we'll just take our best guess. Make sure to share this podcast with all of your artsy and adventurous friends. Or even your non-artsy and adventurous yeah. friends. Share us with your grandma. We're really yeah. good with old people. <laughs> yeah. Old men love me. Fun fact about Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Remember, art and adventure are everywhere. Go find yours. <laughs> that was funny. All right, well, bye.